Pastor Ray Bentley points to a time when Jesus denounced religious leaders in the strongest of terms. There is no more of a person condemned than a religious hypocrite who says one thing, does another, who parade around as his representatives, but in reality only serve themselves. So these guys had a religious practice where it was all about personal gain, and it was not about truly honoring the Lord. Spread the news of his people coming down before the King. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song, sing along, let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When Jesus says, woe to you, it's time to pay attention. When he calls someone a hypocrite, it's time to pay close attention. Today, we'll see he reserved those words not for a violent criminal or a hardened atheist. He was speaking to religious leaders. Let's see what brought about that strong rebuke. Matthew chapter 23, I want you to open it up. These are the last words, the last teachings of Jesus while he was on earth, before his death, burial, and resurrection. And this message is a series of woes. He's talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and some of the hypocrites there, and he's saying, woe to you. Woe to you, you hypocrites. So what I'm going to do is, back in Matthew chapter 5, there's the Sermon on the Mount. And interestingly, there are what are called the Beatitudes. And you know how many of them there are? Eight of them. So what we're going to do is we're going to compare the eight Beatitudes. This is what you ought to be, attitudes to be, uh, versus the eight woes. Woe is you if you are like this. So number one, I'm going to put it this way. Entering the kingdom or shutting the kingdom out. The first Beatitude is blessed. Oh, how happy is another way of saying it. Are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what is good about that is it really begins on the the ground that the Lord knows that we are poor spiritually. And that's why he came to give us salvation is not earned. Salvation is a gift received. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. It's a gift. So blessed are the poor in spirit. But then what Jesus says here in verse 13, look with me. In verse 13, Jesus says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. His two favorite words in this are woe and hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Because you're like a closed door to heaven. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So look, the the Bible honors those who follow the Lord, love the Lord, who are faithfully to represent God and seek no self-glory. On the other hand, there is no more of a person condemned than a religious hypocrite who says one thing, does another. God's most furious wrath is reserved for those who parade around as his representatives, but in reality only serve themselves. So these verses are, they're powerful. They're very direct. Woe is you. Now, the Hebrew word for woe, the little Hebrew, little Yiddish is oi. Oi means it's like you're overwhelmed or you're shocked or you're surprised or it's really bad or you can't believe it. And it's oi. That's what Jesus was saying. 
and what he says here is very, very direct. He goes, you guys, you Pharisees, you guys think you are the doorkeepers of heaven. He goes, I got news for you. You're not even going to heaven right now unless you change and get this. And not only are you not going to heaven, the people that are following you, you're keeping people out. You are like a shut door to them. And he is saying, whoa, oi, wake up. He's definitely pressing on something. If I can put it this way, because you've never met a Pharisee, but we read about them in the Bible, it's basically their view of spirituality and relationship with God was all external. It was all based on performance. It was all kind of how you look to other people, and you keep your reputation as being really kind of a little bit better than everybody else, a little holier than thou. And that really irked Jesus. He did not like that one bit. And he said, and you are making other people just like you, and you're not going into the kingdom, and nor are the people following you going into the kingdom. And so he just kept saying, you know, woe is you. So let's go to the next one. In verse 14, comfort those who mourn, and don't take advantage of them. So verse 14, he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, you're a bunch of hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Why were they praying so long? Because they really wanted to commune with God? No. They wanted to pray long enough that somebody walking by and listening to them went, wow, they sure pray a long time. They must be more holy than everybody else. But they had no compassion. They would see a widow, and they were not concerned with her. They did not care for her. And of all, it would be the Pharisees who were supposed to be, we're representing God in heaven, and they're walking by, and they're not moved or in any way caring about widows. And not only widows, but orphans. What Jesus was saying to the religious community, the leaders there, is that the family, and this is what the church is to become, this is where you get a new family. Whatever was not there or missing for you as you were growing up, and you need a father who will come up, put his hand on your shoulder, look you in the eye, and say, I see your potential, and I honor that. You're gifted, you're talented, you're smart, but there's even more that God has for you. What I want to say is that God used, that's who we are. This church, it's a congregation, it's a community, it's a family. It's your new family. And you get, uh, with that, new dads. And you get a whole new group of women who become spiritual moms, who see, who care, who are concerned. And that's what the body of Christ, it's kind of like we get to be reparented. So look, all of the men here that are fathers, you become spiritual fathers. You have many fathers now. You have many spiritual mothers. And what that means is, whatever, whoever God brings before you and brings into your sphere of influence, you are spiritually sensitive because of your heart to notice what situation they're in, and you're thinking outside of yourself, I bet they could use a word of encouragement. I bet they could use some prayer. What's really going on? And you press in a little bit. And that's what Jesus was doing with these Pharisees. You guys should be the ones who are ministering, loving, reflecting, radiating the love of the Father into them, but it's not happening, and it should be, and it can be, and it's a wonderful thing that we get to do that. Now, let's go on to the next one. Verse 15, Jesus then goes on to say that the meek, we know, inherit the earth. Jesus said that in the Beatitudes, but the proud 
sends souls to hell. Look at this in verse 15. Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, oy, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and that means a convert to your way of thinking, which for a Pharisee would be legalism, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, you guys are the children of the devil and that your disciples are the sons of hell. Does that sound nice to you? <laughs> but who is saying it? Jesus is saying it. There are many people who have the concept that being a Christian is being nice all the time. And look, there's nothing wrong with being nice and niceness and goodness and all of that. But, and here's where the rubber meets the road, Jesus was coming up to these guys and he was poking them by his words. Oi, woe is you, you hypocrites. And he's stabbing them in the chest. He's poking them. Do I have your attention now? You're going to hell. And those following your legalistic outward form of religion are also on their way to hell. What are you thinking and what are you doing? The meek shall inherit the earth. Those who are humble, those who are teachable, those who are sensitive, those who are open to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, those who live out of and from their heart. I remember one time playing football and I was in high school and you know, when you're in high school, and I love football, it's my first love, but there's one time I remember um, a coach came up to me and he, he hit me in my shoulder and just like, bam, like that, like, and he was mad. He's like, Bentley, where's your head? Get in the game. We're talking about this is who we're playing Friday and you have this responsibility and you're not, I don't know where your head's at, but you need to get your head back in. And he was realizing I was daydreaming. I was off somewhere. I was not engaged in the game that was going on and what was important. Sometimes a loving father, loving coach, whatever, has to poke you, get your attention because you're out of it, you're not paying attention, and this is serious stuff. And I feel that's what the Lord was doing. So he was saying, you guys are leading people to hell. Instead, you should be the gatekeepers of heaven. Now, here's what I love. I, the Lord loves those who become gatekeepers of an open gate into salvation. Can I hear an amen on that? I thank God for Billy Graham when I heard the gospel and when he said, it's by grace through faith. If you believe and trust and receive Jesus as the gift and the savior, you can be forgiven of your sins. And so when I heard that, it was good news. And I received Jesus and, and I came to know the Lord. You're all here because somebody was not a gate closer to the gospel, but a gate opener and you heard the gospel and then you got saved and transformed. Now you're to be an open gate by your life, by living from your heart, so that others will hear your story, your testimony, the gospel through you, and they will say, wow, I want what you have. I need the gospel that you believe in. I need the salvation that you talk about. So we have that opportunity to be the, those who open gates to people that wanna come into the kingdom of heaven. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. You were our Billy Graham. 
Our spiritual walk has been so sweet since we became Christians. To know you was to learn to live the Great Commission and fulfill God's great commandments. Thank you for being such a beautiful inspiration and leading my husband to be such a godly man, which allowed me to become a faithful servant of our Lord. Well done. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Let's look at the last one real quick. Hunger for holiness is divine, but greedy for gain is pure loss. In verse 16, he says, Woe to you, oi! <laughs> Blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift on the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by all who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Now you're saying, okay, what is that all about? Basically, it was this. People in those days didn't trust you if you said, well, I'll do this or that. They said, I I don't believe you. I don't trust you. How do I know you're gonna tell me the truth? So then they would swear. And then you could swear something and they go, yeah, but I know you and your family. You guys are liars, so I don't believe that either. Swear by something real. Swear by the temple. If you do that, oh, God will, you know, get you. And then it was like, well, okay, that's not a problem. But then if you swore, so basically you're making a contract and the guy swears, he goes, but swear by the gold. And what that meant was to the Pharisees, okay, you swear, yeah, by the temple, that's good. But if you also add the gold and then you break your word or your oath, I get the gold. So he says, that's okay. Or you, an altar, you make a gift. If there's a gift on it and you make a vow and I'm gonna get rewarded from that, oh, that's, that's what's really important. And Jesus realized you're into the gold and you're into the gifts. You're not into really honoring God with all of this. You're missing the whole point. So you need to know that God is interested. He looks at the heart. What did Jesus say about swearing in the first place? He said, don't swear. Don't make oaths. He put it this way. Let your yes be yes. And let your no be no. And beyond that, don't. Don't add or do anything to it. So these guys had a religious practice where they were, it was all about personal gain and it was not about truly honoring the Lord. I wanna leave you with one last scripture and one last story that after Jesus rose from the dead, or actually, yeah, he had risen, but the disciples did not know that yet. And so there were two on the road to Emmaus and they're walking and they're crying and they're despondent because they don't know about the resurrection yet. And a stranger joins them, which happens to be Jesus. And they're going down the road and the stranger says, hey, fellas, why the long face? You know, what's, what's wrong with you guys? And they look at each other, what are you talking about? Did you know what just happened? He goes, no, what? Jesus of Nazareth, miracle worker and all. We thought he was the guy, we thought he was the Messiah. And then they crucified him and he died. And the stranger, Jesus, says, oh, that's very interesting. 
But why are you surprised at that? That's exactly what the prophet said would happen. He would be betrayed. He would be rejected. He would be sacrificed. He would be put to death. And so they're going, really? He goes, but that's not the end of the story. And right as they got to a good part, they got to a bend in the road, and the stranger, Jesus, says, all right, talk to you later. And they're going in a different direction, and they go, no, 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 no. You got to come to our, finish. We got to finish. So he said, okay. So he goes to their house, and he finishes. He goes, you guys didn't wait till the end of the story. On the third day, the Bible says the Messiah will rise from the dead. And their eyes get big as saucers. And as soon as he says that, it says he broke bread. And when he broke bread, he disappeared from their sight. Some commentators say that what happened is he kind of had a hood on. He was kind of disguised. But then when he broke the bread and handed it to them, they saw the scars in his hands. And as soon as they saw him, he disappeared. It was the risen Jesus who disappeared. You know where I think he went? I think he was still sitting there. I think he was still looking at them. And they're like, wow. And here's what they said. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. Let's read this out loud. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? There's the sign of the work of the Holy Spirit is a heart that burns, a heart that is on fire, a heart that is coming alive, a heart that is emotional, a heart that is, uh, you know, seeking and desiring the things of God. So I want you to right now, just take a moment, bow your head, and, and I want you to, from your own vantage point, take a look inside of your heart. What's going on in your heart? What do you think the Lord sees in your heart? And I'll tell you, a lot what is going on. There are many, many hearts here that are very, very tired. There are hearts here that are bruised. There are hearts here that feel like you have been run over and you don't know how many more times you can take it. There are hearts, many hearts that have been so broken and so bruised and so many times. You know, we, we tend to try to protect our heart. And we do what we think is best, but in a way, we, we try to hide it or protect it or put our arms around it or keep it from whatever. And it slowly is dying. It, it is, so in this message, Jesus is saying, will you let me into your heart? Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. So he loves you. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to repair the bruises. He wants to comfort those who feel like you're alone and you're an orphan and you've always felt alone and you haven't had a real godly example in your life. And those who are widowed and those who just feel, man, you're just surviving. And I am saying to you that the Lord is wanting to he wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to revive your heart, heal your heart. He wants to bring fire into your heart, power into your heart, the joy of the Lord into your heart. He wants there to be the burning passion of love within your heart. He doesn't want you to just survive. But he asks, will you invite my spirit in? Will you give me permission to go work on your heart? You have to, you know, it, it takes, it's a relationship, and you have to actually give him permission. And I, I don't fully understand this, but 
you know, if we say no, or we keep the door shut, or we have our hand out, he'll stay there. Obviously, he could knock it down and make us, but he doesn't do it that way. The Spirit of God yearns to heal you, yearns to move in you, and yearns to bring his fire within you, but he won't do it without your permission. It's a very, very deep thing to him. He wants relationship. Relationship is just, not just him imposing what he wants. He's like, the Holy Spirit's like a dove. They're very, very skittish, and uh, the slightest resistance, and they fly away. So what I'd like to do is I want to pray, because I think that many hearts here are in desperate need of healing, of being touched, not being afraid of the Spirit moving in your heart, but it's, we need it. God will take you at your word. If you pray this and you mean it, he's going to do it. So, if you're willing, and that speaks to you, I want you to follow me in this simple prayer. Let's pray after this manner. Dear Lord, my heart needs you. I need healing in my heart from so many wounds, so many times run over. So many times I have been bruised and hurt and offended. My heart needs healing. I need your touch. I need you to touch my heart. And I am giving you permission. I am opening the door. I'm inviting you wholly in to revive me, to refire me, to rekindle me, to reburn me with your Holy Spirit and your holy fire, and to be healed, and to be whole, and to live from my heart, not from the outside, not for performance or reputation. But you see me on the inside. I love you. I worship you. I need you. And I thank you. And again, I give permission to the Holy Spirit to work on my heart just like you did, Jeremiah, and that you will continue whatever my heart needs until it is healed and whole. And in the meantime, make me sensitive to the many wounded hearts of the people in my life, and you can use me to speak a word of hope a word of healing, a word of encouragement into those needy souls. I thank you for my family. I thank you I have many spiritual fathers, many spiritual moms, many brothers, and many sisters in Christ. Thank you for my family and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with an important prayer to reignite our passion and intimacy with the Lord. Glad you've joined us for our studies today in the Gospel of Matthew here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, The Heart of Jesus. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com.
That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.